Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by George at Asda, who hosted an incredible event called Phenomenal. And they've recently launched their Phenomenal campaign, which celebrates femininity. And it's breaking the stereotype of what it means to be feminine and redefining it for ourselves. On the day of the festival, we were both wearing Georgia Asda and I think we looked pretty cool. Actually, really very cool. cool. Really cool. I felt good. Yeah, I me felt, too. Uh, I lo- that dress got so many compliments. Same. I felt phenomenal. Hey, see what you did. Oh, <laughs> I am my dad. Um, <laughs> George really does have some amazing pieces, like really good. And I had a hard time choosing what I was going to wear on the day. And what I love about the website as well is the um, the diversity of the models who, who display the clothes because actually, like, it's really not that common. It's, no, it's, they have different heights. Like, they have different, like, the yeah. when, when we were shopping, you can see, like, the dresses on a small, like, petite person and then somebody who's taller and curvier. And it's like, this is so helpful, even yeah. to get a gauge of, like, how long the dress is going to be, for example. Totally. Like, love it. And size inclusive. So if you'd like to check out any of their clothing, you can go online at george.com. Oh my god, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do! Should I delete that? Yeah, you should definitely delete that. (laughs) (laughs) Hello everybody and welcome back to the Should I Delete That podcast. It feels like it's been a while. It has, but you did have COVID, we did it on Zoom, we had the special International Women's Day episode. Yes. And then this episode, this interview, we did live. So welcome to our first ever live podcast oh my god yeah and this bit isn't no this bit isn't no no one wants this in front of the audience (laughs) it takes way too much editing uh how are you really good i'm excited to be here i know me too i'm a bit giddy i think i look quite pretty in the words of uh yeah you do is that Kira Knightley? Yeah, you know, when she looks at the wedding, but I looked at myself today and I nearly said it and then I was like, I'm a twat. <laughs> that was actually quite a good impression, didn't you? Thank you. Hang on. I look quite pretty. <laughs> you, did, you did the mouth as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. They call it method acting <laughs> in the biz. Um, yeah, it does. Uh, I tell you what, I'm just going to kick us off. Go on. We, it's the good, the bad, the awkward, right? The good. The bad. And the awkward. I'm not having a bad this week. Because this March, I've decided that I'm thriving. Okay. I've said, I mean, I've banged on enough about it on Instagram. But February was so terrible. And I realised, like, listening back to the last episode that we did with The Good, The Bad and The Awkward with Dr. Josh, I was just, like, moaning the whole time. I was like, absolutely not. I'm sick of my own shit. I'm up. I'm out. I'm smiling. I'm thriving. So no bad... Okay, good. And and my my rule is, I was explaining it to Georgie the other day, my rule is, it's not that bad things can't happen in March because I can't control what's happening in the world. Yeah. What it is, is mindset month. So I'm just choosing to have a good mindset. And I'm absolutely loving. I like that. You can't control if bad things happen, but no. you can control your reaction to them. Yeah, and I'm just really choosing to, to be really... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, theoretically. Um, <laughs> but I'm just choosing to be really happy. I like that. I'm, honestly, I'm doing so good. I really like that. So I just don't and have a bad this yeah, week. Yeah, it, 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 it was quite a negative 
uh, intro to the <laughs> It was terrible. Do you think we lost listeners? Like, yeah, everyone's like, Christ, this, these two these bitches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I found out my mum actually listens to the episodes now, so I feel like I need to stop saying like the C word and the T word. What's the T word? Twat. Tosser, twat. Twat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Light. Um, my mum listens to... But she's the one that taught me all the bad words. Yeah, so yeah. So I think we're cool. Yeah. Um. So. So. Good. Your goods. Your bad. What's up? What's that? So do you know what? Actually, my bad isn't really a bad this week. It's more of an awkward. So that's quite. So we're really keeping it light this yeah, week. Cool. Oh my god, great. Okay. Hopefully we can get those listeners back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we depressed you for a while. Um. So, my good... Okay, I have two goods. I'm really sorry. I love it. I have good. two goods. Come on, give me the good. Give me the I have, goods. I have two goods because I can't... Uh, I, I can't I can't narrow it down. That's fine. Um, Just give them to me. So, my first good was that we did our first ever live show. Woo! Right? Yeah. And we did a whole and day. And we didn't fuck it up. And we didn't fuck it up. Yeah. And we did... It was this really cool festival in central London. And there were so many amazing people there. Uh-huh. Mostly women, to be fair. Um, and it was just absolutely brilliant. We interviewed Candice Brathwaite, which you're going to hear in this episode. And we interviewed Bryony Gordon as well. And You'll hear you, that next week. Which we'll... Sorry you'll hear next week and did we not have a blast we had a, it was so fun do you know like, what best day i wasn't even nervous were you well i was a bit nervous at the beginning because when you were in the house of commons yes. um being a fucking baller i had to introduce <laughs> the day on my own and i kept being like because our, our management were there and i kept laughing and being like guys i really don't want to do this and they're all like ha 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 and i was like no, I really don't want to do this. And everyone's like, ha, 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 I'm like, no one's getting the severity of this. I really don't want to do it. And then I just had to get up on my own and I was like, hello. I feel bad for you. I didn't realise that you were going to have to do that. I know. I felt really, really what guilty. What did I say? Who knows? Literally, I have no idea. Could have been anything. Um, and but, then, but and then no. actually, then when we went on to intro, we had to like intro the second half of the day and we were so terrible. I feel like we're, we're in our element when we're interviewing, aren't we? And we're like very focused. <laughs> it was so and bad. The second but, one that you did with me, I think might have been worse than the one I did was, on my it own. Was really it was really good. It no, wasn't good. It wasn't good. Um, We've got some work to do, some kinks to work out. But, lol, we had a great time. And we want to do more live shows now. Oh, my God, 100%. If people want to come. No, no, no. Whether or not people want to come, I want (laughs) to do the live shows. Um, 100%. Um, So, yeah, that was a really good good. It was a really good good. Really good good. But I think your bad also happened that day. Or was that your awkward? Yeah, so my bad also happened that day. Right, so what's your good? And then I'll do my, my other good after. My good is that I helped a man propose... This was so cool. ...to his girlfriend. Like, what the fuck? So it was cool. so cool. So um, I do my thing on Fridays, my Feel Good Fridays, and I've done it for, like, nearly two... Over two years. Anyway, I've done it for ages. And people send in their good news on Fridays, and we celebrate, and I just dance, and it's, like, a hoot. Anyway, one girl sent in her Feel Good Friday saying, my best friend is getting proposed to tomorrow, and she's got no idea. And I was like, oh, my God. So I did, like, uh, I, I did the reaction to Dirty Little Secret. Um, you know, like, I'll keep you my Dirty Little Secret, whatever. No, it's not a dirty secret. It's stunning. But anyway, and I was all gassed up. And then I got a message from the girl being like, oh, my God, thank you so much for sharing mine. This is nuts. But can I put you in touch with the guy? And I was like, fuck yes. And then he sent me a message and was like, hey. Oh my God. Do you want to be involved? And I was like, yes. So then um, 
uh, he sent me, he he was proposing with the most adorable video. He he'd sung a song when they first got together all these years ago about loving her, and he'd written this for her. And he got all the family members, um, all her family members, to hold up the lyrics on pieces of paper and like all for different lines, and all of them dancing and whatever. So basically, everybody was proposing to her, and he asked me at ten thirty to send her the video so I sent her a message at like 10 something so just before she followed me it would have been awkward she'd be like who the fuck is this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes yeah, so I sent uh, I sent her the video being like hope you with a script from him saying hope you have a lovely pamper day with the girls today but before you go maybe you want to watch this and obviously she was like what and then yeah and then I got a video from her Aww. later and him and they're all engaged and it was so happy I was like this is the best day of my life that's How really fun. that is really cool thank god she said yes um, Thank God. She and said yes. yeah, and now I'm currently undergoing my ordainership so I can oh Christ marry them. <laughs> um, imagine, please. Knowing you as well, I think you probably be serious, aren't you? Hundred yeah. percent. You, I have. Yeah. I did. I did Google it, but they haven't asked, which is a bit gutting. But I'm not ruling it out. <laughs> um, I'd say let them come to you. Um, uh, yeah. No. I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what rather God than would like want. sending them your your newly acquired certificate. Vote <laughs> <laughs> with me in a dog collar. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was unreal. It was that's so good. A really good, good. Yeah, really good, good. Really Honestly, good, I can good. see why men do it now. Like yeah. this has made me angry with the patriarchy than anything else. I'm like, fuck. They get like this is a this is a hoot. Proposing is a hoot. It I'd is. Love to get in on this. Yeah, I know. It would be so fun, yeah. wouldn't it? Okie dokie. Uh, your second good? More second good, more good. good. Just keep giving me these goods. It's My so great. My second good was that I um, I went, went to Parliament. I was in Parliament. I, I'm still, I still haven't got the lingo down, like the terminology. I was in Parliament. I was in House of Commons. Need to work it out, but yeah, I was on a I was on a um, a committee about body image. I was on a panel with uh, two other experts by experience, which is a nice way of saying non-expert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to use I might expert by experience. Yeah, I might oh put my that God, in my bio. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Oh my god, so good. Um, and it was it was really cool. Like I was. Because when they asked me, I thought I wasn't going to be able to do it because of these live podcast shows. And I was supposed to be going into into Parliament in person. But luckily, I was able to appear via Zoom. And I... It was, it just felt like it was really cool because I feel like this stuff I've been shouting about for, you know, it's all about body image. And I've been like shouting about it for such a long time. Yeah. And with sort of little grasp on what impact I've actually made you know it's hard to I can't yeah. quantify can't see, that like, I can't see it. Change, I, yeah. exactly I just don't know and this felt like wow I've got an actual opportunity to be heard by people in power and and, and positions of authority that can actually really do something at like a you know, a really high level. So it felt cool. Um, I absolutely shot myself. I was so nervous. Like I could, I, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe before I went on and I spoke so fast, but I think I got everything. I think I said everything that I wanted to say. And yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's cool. a little career highlight, I yeah. think. Yeah, how are you? Also, the footage is really funny because everybody else is in there. And then there's just like your ginormous head. Literally. <laughs> zoomed you in. And it's just like, oh, Al's here. I know. And on the video, everyone else is really low quality. But because I was on Zoom, it's like so sharp. <laughs> such sharp quality. It's just my big face on your screen. So, so yeah, that was really cool. I'm proud of you. My bad 
does uh, <laughs> yeah Isn't tail off from connected, that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I literally we I wrapped up House of Commons and I had ten minutes to get on stage with you. Yeah. So I did a quick story of being like <laughs> I took it like me at my laptop and like I wasn't looking and I was all serious and I said serious face because I'm at the House of Commons. But I apparently also correct likes to change commons to condoms. So I put House of Condoms and I just didn't realise and I put it up. And then at, literally as we She's were going an out. by experience, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> literally as we were going out, I was. You just looked at me with the most panicked look in the world and you were like. Yeah. I think I've just written House of Condoms. <laughs> yeah. My sister was like, Al in capitals, which always frightens me. <laughs> you wrote condoms in capitals. And I was like, shit. <laughs> and then we were on stage. So I was like, like shouting to people like, can I just go and change it, please? <laughs> um, so yeah, that was quite good. That was definitely my awkward. Yeah, it's I mean, not my bad. It was my awkward because it was awkward. Yeah. And I feel like I might not be invited back to the house. hundred percent. You're not allowed back. Um, okay. Goods, goods, goods. Oh, uh, more good? Yeah, you're, more good. Your second good? Well, I'm just going to, uh, yeah, I've got so many goods. Honestly, I'm just plucking them out of the sky right now. Mine's like March, thriving. Um, a second good? I went yeah. for, I ran, I ran a 5K this yes, morning. Yes, you did. Fuck yes. Well done. I went for a run on, and actually my bad would have been this, because I went for a run the other day, um, last Thursday, I got like the all clear. Well, I sort of pushed quite hard at the surgeons for the all clear. I was like, please, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> anyway, they're like, okay. Anyway, so I went for a run and it was a fucking shit show because I think I forgot that I had COVID and and also like I massively underestimated it. So I went for a run. I was like, what is happening? But my lungs, like I couldn't run. Like I just could not run. And I got to the end of my road and I was like, <gasps> like honestly, it wasn't good. And, and I was really deflated. I was like, fuck me, I've got a long way to go. Because in my head, I, I, you know, I was hoping to do a couple of marathons this year. And I, I've been really looking forward to getting back to it. And then I went for that run and I was like, this is devastating. So it was really sad. Anyway, and then today, and then I, I went to the gym a couple of times. And I really, I, I, I did a post on Instagram. But I was like, I'm not going to let this get me down because I cannot control it. This is so beyond my control. Like I've had a terrible time. And and that happens and life gets in the way and being mean to myself is not going to achieve anything here. Like I have to have kindness because otherwise what changes? Nothing apart from the fact that I'll be too scared to go back out because I'm too scared of myself and I never want to be scared of myself. So... I was really nice to myself and I was like, babe, this is great. Like the bottom is a, is a fun place to be because the only way is up. Yeah. Like we are on the way. Like this is going to be great. Like it doesn't matter how fast you're running because you're not being chased by a bear. Like everything's <laughs> great. And I was really like pep talking myself. And then, and then, yeah. So I went for my second run today and I got like, I got to the, where I got last time and I was like, I'm alive. And then I had this really weird thing where I did this really big smile. Then I realized that I was about to pop a stitch. So I was like, oh, never mind. Um, Stop smiling. And then just started crying because I was like running. Aww. I was like, everything's so good. Uh, yeah. And then I got home and I was just like, oh my God, love my life. So that was today. That's really good. And I'm so pleased for you because you, more than anyone, benefit dramatic, like, benefit vastly from exercise like it does yeah. wonders for well, you well we've for talked your, about this for your mental health doesn't it and yeah. I feel like you're yeah it, it, yeah it's, like it's me and you have been talking you. about this and like I, I will t- maybe I'll talk about it on the internet at some point but I realize my mental health has been very bad these last few weeks yeah and I felt I've been really struggling with feelings of like overwhelm and like fuzziness and like I just realized that all of my coping comes from my routine I guess and exercise is such yeah. a big part of that and losing that I've been really struggling to like just maintain happiness 
so yeah like it feels I honestly yeah. I'm so happy that it's like it's coming back I can tell you're oh, you're glowing I'm, thank you <laughs> I'm also <laughs> glowing because I sprayed myself with my glow my glow spray this morning in the eye and normally it's like a nice mist but then it goes like over my face but then I did it this morning and it was like a feckin' bullet to my eyeball I was like ow <laughs> um but anyway I, I blinked it out walked it off very, Still thriving. Very glowy. Yeah, thanks. We have a joint awkward, I guess, just to finish this before we go into the we interview. We do. We do have a joint awkward. And I feel like this is very humbling and embarrassing, but fuck it, let's tell you. It's um, very humbling. It's just... I was knocked down fair few pegs. <laughs> I know, we're at the bottom. But what have I just said about the bottom? The anyway is up. Exactly. So we, we dream big with this podcast, we right? Do. And we saw on Instagram that Rebel Wilson was in England and we were like, well, shit, we love you. Let's get it. We've got to make this happen. Yeah, so we, we tried some avenues to get Rebel Wilson to come on podcast. Do not get your hopes up, good listeners. It's not happening. It's not a happy Can't ending. Confirm. Yeah, this would be in the good section. Um, had this had a happy ending, not the awkward one. But um, so we tried via a few means. So I DM'd Rebel, you know, so chill, so cool. Do. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Um, you don't know me, but blah, blah, blah. Gave the spiel, as you do. And then you and I were texting, but like on WhatsApp desktop, you know? So I messaged her from my computer, my Instagram, like Instagram desktop, and I messaged her. Then I saw a message, and I, I was getting, I was excited, you know what I mean? Like I was DMing Rebel Wilson, I was all over the place. Then I saw a pop up from you, notification being like, I've emailed her agent, and I went to reply. <laughs> to you saying, OMG, look at us go. <laughs> But I didn't send it to you. <laughs> I also sent it to Rebel. <laughs> oh my God, look at us go. <laughs> so be like, what the, the fuck? fuck? So then I had to do that thing. You know when you're sitting by yourself and you just get like a hot, <laughs> yeah. like, you can feel like the blood going like up to your hairline. And I was like, oh my God, I felt like a boiled egg. Like I was like, ugh. <laughs> um, and I had to, uh, my first time, I had to unsend the message. This is so humiliating. I, I, um, I wish you'd seen it. That would have been brilliant. Oh yeah. As well because I had DM'd her just very shortly after you. We were we were literally coming at her from all angles. We were like, this makes sense. She's in London. <laughs> you know, we're all about you know women and how women yeah. are treated in the media. Yeah, like, this is and be there great. has been a lot of shit around her body and everything. Exactly. And so yeah, we you know we were we sound like we're being a bit intense, but we we really did have good intentions. We did, but we got. We, we so, fucked it. <laughs> well, yeah, and then uh, we got a reply from her agent. From her agent, um, uh, it was it was brief. <laughs> the reply was brief. Um, unfortunately, this will be a pass. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, that's, that's good, their... good luck at the Baftas. Have uh, a nice time. Understood. <laughs> Enjoy London. Uh, uh, yeah, like the aquarium's nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, Rebel Wilson isn't coming on the podcast. Can confirm. And I think I might have been blocked by now. Rebel Wilson will not be a guest. No. Um, but yeah. Uh, but for now, this week's guest, this was the best interview ever, right? Incredible. I think it was also, because Candice is so amazing for a start, but also because it was live, like the two things just collided to make the best fun I've ever had doing an interview. Totally. Um, I'm just going to put a, a pre-warning that there are Sex in the City spoilers in this episode. Oh, good thinking. Thank think you. About that. Thank you. Because I finished the season last night. 
Ah, uh, inspired okay. by this, but okay. I'm obsessed with this interview, and I know you guys will be as well. Like it was, it was, it was so cool. It felt like it felt like a very mic drop interview, hundred percent. And we had a mic, so I was thinking, like, do I drop? No. Can you just tell everyone? <laughs> can you just tell everyone, please? No, what you? No, my mom. <laughs> right. Well, I'm gonna tell everyone then. Alex, during the podcast, kept holding the microphones, and then when we went out for a drink after, she was like. Did anyone else think those microphones were really phallic? <laughs> they were very phallic. At some point, it just occur- it just occurred to me that you know you I, you can't like unsee it or unfeel it, and then I was like, "Am I holding it weird? Am I holding it like a phallic object? Like, oh shit!" So, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, if you hear any funny noises, I didn't. That's how it, was. <laughs> it was a mic drop interview, but I didn't drop our giant penis. <laughs> Losing it. So, as we said, this episode is sponsored by Georgia Asda, who hosted the phenomenal festival where we interviewed Candice. Candice Brathwaite, if you don't know, uh, and if you don't, you need to follow her on Instagram because she's just fucking fantastic. Uh, She's an author, a TV presenter and a journalist and a brilliant human being who we had the absolute pleasure to interview. Her first book, which I absolutely adored, was called I Am Not Your Baby Mother. And it was a look really at the way that, that, that society here in the UK speaks about parenting and basically how racist it is. It was the most eye-opening book. We talk about that in the interview, but I think we do just need to give you a trigger warning before we do that we talk about Candice's own experiences of quite a traumatic birth. Um, which might make for quite hard listening. But in general, the interview, her books, all of her work is just so inspiring and eye-opening and brilliant. And we are really, really proud of this interview. So we hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Um, This is our first ever live podcast recording. We are delighted to be doing it with Asda and with Candice, and we're so excited that you're all here, and thank you. I'm just going to break everybody's ice because Alex has just had a bit of a shocker. She was on a panel this morning at the House of Commons, no less, (laughs) and she just put on her Instagram that she was there, but she misspelled commons and wrote condoms. (laughs) In capitals, is it? (laughs) I was like, oh, serious face, because I'm at the house of condoms. (laughs) I can see see my phone flashing up. My dad's like, no. (laughs) You have to go and spoil it. (laughs) I'm Um, so proud. (laughs) Oh, gosh, um, sorry. We are so excited (laughs) to have you here today and interview you. So excited, because I have followed you for years. You have an epic Instagram account. So for anyone who doesn't know, Candice is an author, a TV presenter, and a journalist as well. And yeah, you have uh, amazing style, which I love, and which we're going to get into a bit as well, that you share on your Instagram. Um, and you've also written two books. Yeah. We're just delighted to have you here. And Thank let's, you. Let's get stuck in. One of, I mean, talking about your Instagram account, we've both followed you for ages, and I feel like we'd be remiss not to mention your commentary of the And Just Like That yeah. <laughs> series, so which we've got to talk to you about. So it would be amazing if you could just sum up the series for us in yeah. your own words. Do you know, I had friends who are not in the industry at all text me like, do you follow her? <laughs> this is so funny. Yeah. It's brilliant. Oh my God, yeah, I'm a massive, massive Sex in the City fan. Obviously, when it first started showing, I was way too young to be watching it. But by the time it came out on DVD box set, mm. which many people wouldn't even know what that is now, I was like 19, 20, and I got the wickedest flu of my life one Christmas and I was in bed for two weeks so I just like binge watched the box set and like okay 
it wasn't diverse, it wasn't inclusive, it was slightly problematic if you go and rewatch the series now, but seeing women choose their own version of life was very refreshing. Like these characters didn't necessarily have a normal nine to five, they didn't have kids, they were chasing whatless men, like it was a vibe in my mind. And something about Carrie, I was like, that's the kind of job I wanna do. Like, does she just get paid in shoes? Well, actually, <laughs> writers are very poorly paid. Very. You don't make enough money to be buying all those shoes, so I feel like Big was financing a lot of that, but that's a talk time. <laughs> Um, so when and just like that came around, I knew I was gonna hate it, but I didn't care. Okay. I was like, you're gonna try and do too much. You're gonna try and be up with the times. You're gonna try and be too inclusive, and it's gonna be a bit gross and a bit ick. But I've watched these characters for years. Like I want to see what the next phase of their life is. And also as a woman who is now closer to forty than twenty, I was interested in, in watching how they were gon gonna let these characters age. Mm. Because all of a sudden, I'm not in the like, you know, the one piece of string across here in the club. Yeah. I like something that covers me. Like, what are we going to do with these characters? How are their lives going to develop? And it just became natural to talk about online because I thought, this is hilarious. Yeah, it's terrible, but there are some really good things and it's posing really good questions. And the style was still A1, mm. in my opinion. So. I, I'd like to, I mean, we want to get on to who you thought was best dressed. But as you said, the original series wasn't diverse at all and it stayed away from any kind of social issues. And they really, tried very hard with this new series to both diversify and tackle social issues and there's been a lot of controversy around that and I wonder what you thought of how they went about that. Just doing too much, especially in the yeah. first say three episodes, I was like, so you want to cover all these intersections in 32 minutes? Yeah. My head was hurting. I was like, <laughs> okay, now she's with a they and this one's having a they mitzvah. I was like... It just, and the professor yeah, bit as well. Just, yeah, yeah, I was just like, it felt icky, but also we cuss people when they don't try. Mm. You can't win with TV. Like when you're not doing enough, the audience are going to cuss you. When you're doing too much, we're going to cuss you. And I was like, right, I've got to see past that and see the character development. And I think they started to find their stride in the middle of that series. Mm. All of a sudden, it wasn't too icky and it wasn't too overdone. Yeah. And the jokes that would usually belong to Samantha, they would, they were able to pepper them out over different characters. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was necessary to see specifically black women and women of color in roles like that in and just like that in professional roles being very serious being very rich being very like we we yeah. needed to see that that was long overdue but yeah they could have relaxed in in the first yeah. couple of episodes yeah I, I, was hell. I was watching it just like oh my uh, god what are they is, yeah but let's the style like it was sorry yeah <laughs> um can we just, I don't know, what, favourite? Like, favourite three? I know. I, you know, I'm, she's my girl, so I'm going to stick beside her. Cause she's crazy, Carrie's crazy. What <laughs> this season really showed me, I was like, you're really selfish, you know? And you're really narcissistic, and you really like things your own way, and I really don't like you, but I've been rocking with you since the tutu, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, I, I still love Carrie's style because... What Carrie presents to us is the ultimate high-low. Mm -hmm. The shoes may be Manolo, but the dress may be like $50 from a flea market. And I love that. I loved, I had the joy of being able to watch uh, that and just like that documentary because I went to New York a couple of weeks ago so HBO done a whole like behind the scenes and watching the fashion archive of that show it's unreal and like um, Michael Patrick King and, and Sarah Jessica Park they remember every single outfit from every single scene and I, like when she was in the Paris dress eating the popcorn so she's still my number one I love what is her name Seema Sa what? Seema Seema 
oh, opulent, yeah. decadent. Mm. When she was it a Loewe bag? I don't know what bag it was on the table with like the panther curved on the handle. I was like, yes, ma'am, get your money. And then of course, I think I'm forgetting everyone's names now. Um, my girl, the 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 one at the school, um, the black woman that wore the safari outfit. Oh my god, please. LTW snaps for LTW like every yeah. I know the safari outfit was very like polarizing but that's the yeah. point of fashion making people go oh my god I right. would never wear that that's so terrible mm, yeah. so they're my top three okay. you're right like it is so nice to see and I'm loath to use the word older women because hardly but mm. it is the first I mean like it's interesting like watching our childhood people aging right and, yeah. and it's it's really nice that they get to keep having personalities and not just be mums you know like exactly. they get to like dress and still be completely who they were which is great your own style yeah <laughs> how has that evolved as you've as you've grown um money money helps <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to front. The 17-year-old candies, a lot of the outfits I wear today, they were stuck on the wall. And it was like, when my bank account says yes. And, you know, but even before that, it was just about trial and error. I think I said this the other day as well. I've learned the hard way to dress for the body I have, not the body I want. Mm. I think so often women are encouraged to, like, chase this ideal or see an outfit on Instagram or see an outfit everywhere. And you're, you buy it because you, you think... Uh, this is the thing with shopping... And um, people want us to believe that buying that item is going to make us look like that person. We're not necessarily buying an item of clothing. You're buying into a dream or a mm, beauty standard yeah. or an ideal. And it took me a really long time to be like, no, skinny jeans aren't for you. Yeah. Uh, trousers that look like that aren't for you. Like, really get to know your body and its proportions. And also, when you find certain brands or a style that works for you, stick by it. Don't feel swayed because this trend is coming around this season. So it's been a lot of trial and error, if mm. I'm honest. And also understanding the power of a good tailor because I'm short and hippie, yeah. like things need taking in or pulling up or shortening. So that as well, like understanding that even if the outfit is not the most expensive, you can take it from looking like 50p to 50 pounds just by like yeah. taking up a hem or fixing a sleeve. Mm. That's so true. I'm too lazy to tailor my <laughs> clothes, but you can tell it yeah. makes all the difference to, yeah. some, to someone's style. Totally. Yeah. But it's um, hard with, sorry, but with the dream when you get sucked in on something and like I keep trying to make tailored trousers work and they're just not working and yeah. it's really sad because I see everyone looking trendy and it's yeah. just not and happening it, for and me. The, and that's the thing, like the people I admire the most, so one of my style icons is Tracy Ellis Ross, the daughter of Diana Ross. That girl don't give a damn about no trend. She yeah. knows what works for her body. She knows the colours that suit. Like she's not going to bow down to a trend. And I yeah. think anyone that you consider a style icon you consider them that because they know how to dress themselves. Mm, yeah, and you yeah. can then be someone else's style icon if you learn to do that for you. Mm. Of course, I read the trends and I see them because I like fashion, but I also know that 90% of what's on the runway is not going to work for me. Yeah. Or if it is, I'm going to have to like cut and paste and amalgamate and, and make it literally make it stretch. Yeah. Um, but that's not necessarily like the be-all and end-all. Mm. I think it is about really paying attention to your social feeds. I gave this advice to a woman the other day. She was like, you know, I'm a dark-skinned black woman. I'm plus size. I'm not feeling very confident. And I was like, who do you follow? Mm. You need to wake up in the morning and scroll on yourself. Yeah. So you need to start tricking your feed into seeing yourself. You need to see women that look like you enjoying their lives, enjoying their bodies and enjoying clothes. Mm. And I think so often we let social media speak to us instead of us really thinking about, right, if I spend a bit longer on this video and if I follow this person, I'm mm. going to see 
see a better, more confident reflection of myself. Mm. So I think this, yeah. the same can be said for style as well. Yeah, and I wanted to like go into a little bit what you said about like dressing for your body. And obviously we've all grown up with the you know, idea that we have to dress, to, I guess, to hide our body or hide the parts mm. of our body that aren't, you know, socially yeah. acceptable and dress to our shape and, and, and wear things that are flattering, which is mm. a synonymous for thin. Do you sort of, in regards to your body, do you dress your body according to those rules or have you been able to throw the rule book out with that and just wear what you want to wear? Yeah, I used to dress for the male gaze. And I didn't realise this, but when you're 20 and you're going to the club, you want boys to notice you. So there was a performance to getting dressed in my early 20s. It was for the attention of... I think it was last year, I went into COS, like, for the proper first time. And I was like, rah, everyone looks good in here, you know? The women coming in, they just looked unbothered. And, and not just wealthy in money, but they just looked like they had their lives together. And I was like, it's the clothes. It's, yeah. the, it's this refined look. And then I took that conversation to social media and uh, women who like women said it's because cause don't design for the male gaze. Cause design right. for women. Yeah. They don't care about what a man wants to see. They care about empowering. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm a cause woman. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a boxy, shapeless, more, you know, more yeah. expensive mm. fabric type woman. But that took time to learn. And that also, that means that I had to come to terms with the deep fact that no, you're not going to be every man's cup of tea. And now this, conversa this part of the conversation is coming from a place of privilege because I've been with the same guy for a decade. Mm. So I'm very like, I don't really care what that guy thinks, but I would like to think, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, that if he were to pass away, I wouldn't necessarily revert again to dressing for the male gaze. Right. Sorry to the men in here. Men are just very giving trash right now. They're very... <laughs> <laughs> if we are if, if I can use TikTok data the streets of men are not streets I want to be walking like I'm not trying to entice these guys with a podcast mic asking me what I bring to the table I'm just I'm not there in my life yeah. Yeah. and so that then dictates my style because guess what nothing turns me on more than a woman running down the street after me and being like where'd you get that yeah. mm. I that is a vibe mm. if a man thinks I look good I'm doing something wrong <laughs> because actually I'm now deeply in my man repeller phase <laughs> I'm like I don't I don't <laughs> I don't want you to look at me darling it's fine of all the things like I guess maybe I wasn't not that I wasn't into, maybe, maybe I wasn't into fashion in a massive way, which feels like kind of blasphemous to say, but here we are. I'm saying it. Um, I'm definitely getting into it more as I'm getting older, but it's the most exciting like, and empowering thing hearing you say about like, the, the man repelling with the clothes. I'm like, it's so cool to recognise that. And it's like, I really feel like, you know, you mentioned like the TikTok stuff. I do feel like we're kind of on the shift now and it's like, oh my God, finally. Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm going to wear this because I'm comfortable and because I want to and because all of these ridiculous rules, like, oh, you can't show your boobs and your legs because that's trashy. Yeah. And it's like, what the... Who made those who rules? Would, like, it was just policing women, right? Literally, who made those... And it was a way to then dehumanise the woman that did show boob and leg mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah. It was a way to put her in... A, maybe you have a great rack and great legs and you should be showing them, yeah. you know? I follow this great woman on TikTok. She's in her 50s. Her name's Carla Rockmore. She's, like... She lives in Texas. Like, our worlds are so far apart. But I just love the way she gets to play with fashion. And again, it comes from a place of I'm not dressing for the male gaze. Mm. And I think that's one thing I always want to encourage women to do. And I, I'm trying... The reason I'm on TikTok so much is I'm trying to catch them young. 
mm-hmm. trying to catch them before they get into the club, thinking they need to shake their thangy yeah. thang yeah. in a G-string. Mm. Like, if you want to do that, cool. But 90% of the time, when you really check it, it's not for yeah. you. That's what right. I think I mean when I say I wasn't into fashion. I think it wasn't that I wasn't into it. It's that I, I wasn't into that. Yeah. That kind of, like, dressing in a way maybe that I was quite uncomfortable. Whereas yeah, now performing. I'm like, yeah. fun. Because yeah. it's what I want, which exactly. is cool. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, you talk a lot about fast fashion as well and sustainability. And we love that you acknowledge that fast fashion isn't just fast fashion for some people. It's a necessity because, you know, shopping sustainably is a privilege. Do you think that's something that's left out of the ethical fashion conversation online? Absolutely. And the ethical conversation online comes from the most primary place of privilege. These people are talking to us and they can afford a white t-shirt for 90 quid. Like, come down off your high horse for a second. So few of the people you're trying to change their minds on can can afford that tax bracket. And it's not, of course, yes, fashion is moving too quickly, but we cannot blame the consumer for that. Because, again, what we tell them is, you're not good enough, you're not making enough money, you need to step your game up. No, you guys need... When I was a kid, there were, what, four seasons to fashion? Now there's, like, 28. (laughs) This is your problem. Do you know what I mean? If there wasn't a new collection every week, this wouldn't be happening. And also, fast fashion is relative, again, to what you are making. One of my favourite coats in my teen years was by Zara, and I had that coat for 11 years until, like, the pockets got these holes in it so my money would slip down to the hem. (laughs) And then I'm in, like, Morley's chicken shop trying to get this money. And I'm like, that's not fast fashion. I had that coat for over a decade. And in my opinion, £100 back then was an awful lot to spend on a coat. The reality is now, even my tax bracket has changed. I'm still not going to get on my high horse because the reality is my children consume fast fashion. I'm not sending my son to nursery and Balenciaga trainers. (laughs) Like, that's not real life for me. But at the same time, as much as I enjoy and play with fashion, I don't want people watching me to be like, I'm a terrible person because I can't afford an £800 coat. My life is so unrealistic and I think a lot of influencers or people of influence they're not quick to say that I'm like don't watch Candice because without freebies Candice couldn't watch Candice don't necessarily always think oh she so much of this is gifted or so much of it is coming from a paycheck that is so beyond reality that I'm not expecting you to consume like me so I'm always trying to tell people like the life I live and the way I play with fashion it's a proper 1% lifestyle. And I understand that privilege. But guess what? Here's the coat I'm wearing. H&M do have a good dupe, though, girl. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you could give one piece of style advice, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to answer this. You can give more. You, don't have, you can just say no comment. Either way, it's fine. But if you did have to give one piece of style advice to anybody, mm. what would it be? Just comfort. Uh, yeah, that, that's like, just don't ever be in a position where... Uh, you need to be like pulling down the skirt or pulling up the top or mm-hmm. you're going to sit down and then you automatically want to take a pillow to cover your tummy because mm-hmm. you don't like the way that... Comfort. Comfort then leads to you looking confident even if you don't feel it. Again, if it's mm-hmm. more of a smock dress or like do what is going to make you happy and make you feel comfortable. I remember like going to the club in just the most ridiculous <laughs> shoes and like I must have looked like Bambi on ice. I stacked it so many times. Again, because of the male gaze, because of performance. And it's like, I'm absolutely never going to wear that now. Not even in a club. 
like over over four and a half I'm like miss me with that <laughs> again that takes time that takes I think confidence comes with age and like I said most of my style icons they're in their late 40s early 50s mm. and they are very comfortable with who yeah. they are as women mm. so I think age makes all the difference and it, it, it of course because it's experience and exploration as well isn't it and, yes. and experimenting with what you like you know yeah. like you say we're, we're taught like dress to get yourself a husband you know oh. and then you go into a phase where it's like oh I can like dress for myself now like oh, to, oh. God, sorry it just makes me I literally want to be sick I just and even then you you're dressing to get this husband who is not even going to know the real you and perhaps engage mm. in a relationship or a marriage filled with fallacy because you've done this for hate like yeah yeah, yeah. not cool no, no. Yeah. so also on your platform mm. we're just going through like all your little <laughs> all your stuff um you've used your platform on your voice extensively to talk about race related issues mm -hmm. and to shine a light on the injustices that black people face especially in uh pregnancy during yeah. pregnancy and motherhood and i know you've got an experience uh, with pregnancy as mm. well um and you founded the make motherhood diverse com yeah. uh, campaign which sought to challenge the single story of motherhood and wrote a book, I'm Not Your Baby Mother, um, which is essentially a guide to life as a black mother. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about why this issue is so important to you and how you, you came to sort of be an expert voice? I, w I became an expert through experience. So my experience happened with Esme in 2013. Social media wasn't what it was. Combined with the PTSD of not really wanting to explain. or Like, you don't just rock up to a mother and baby group and be like, yeah, I almost died. How was that for you? Yeah. Did you feel unlistened to? That's not a conversation. It took a long time for me to then find black women who had gone through a similar thing. And it wasn't until the Embrace report in 2018 that I had data to support my lived experience. It's one thing to, like, complain to pals or your hospital about the way you were treated, you need data. Yeah. They still don't believe yeah. black women, even if they're in a coffin. Mm. It wasn't my fault. I mm. didn't do it. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. They want to see data. So having that data, it like it blew my world open. And I was like, okay, this is actually a problem. And because it's something yeah. I experienced, I wanted to be able to have that discussion like openly. And then, of course, that led to a book like I'm Not Your Baby Mother, which still, till this day, if mm. you want a book about black British motherhood and you go to the British Library that's the only book they can offer you really? and we are wow. now in a post George Floyd society and yet in the parenting space it's still overwhelmingly white right. mm -hmm. and you would think with the knowledge of this data people would be clamoring to hear from a different set of voices mm -hmm. but it's still very much like and no shade to midwives and you know I've been hearing you know midwives are are rightfully really upset and you know they're like we're not being paid well enough some of y'all ain't looking after people well enough and yeah. that's a fact yeah. because the women in your care who are black or Asian or classes POC or BAME, they are dying. They're not being well looked after. Yeah. So I'm often caught between a rock and a hard place. I'm like, I hear your complaints, but also when the discussion of maternity failure arises, black women still aren't front and center of that conversation. Mm. Mm. It's still a very like an asterisk at the bottom of an article. Yeah. Do you, do you mind me asking if you're comfortable sharing what your experience was? Oh yeah, so Esme, uh, she was born emergency C-section. And I remember as we were going down, the surgeon was like, can we hurry this one along? Because I was meant to be home an hour ago. And you don't remember these things until you're on the other side. So th 
yes, emergency C-section, but it was literally like, this is a slab of meat. Come on, chop, chop. I've gone home the next day, which I still find absurd mm -hmm. after such major yeah. surgery. Like, they literally send you home with Panadol. That still is like... Anyway, uh, the day after that, I just start to feel sicker, not better by the hour. I'm dizzy. When I say I'm sweating through to the mattress, we're hitting this mattress and you're watching water like spring up. Mm. I've got three different midwives sort of all races and they're like, you're overthinking it. You know, you're a new mum. We think you're looking into it a bit deeply. You're losing water weight. By now, my incision was really painful and sore to the touch and they didn't even touch it. They just made me like pull down my knickers. They're like, oh, you'll be fine. Stay off of my mum's net they said don't let these articles like build your head up by day three i'm trying to soothe esme to get her to sleep she falls asleep we're awoken by this horrendous scent i was like raw baby poo stick like di no this smell was like i was like this is death like why does this poo smell like this i'm getting up to go and make her a bottle as i'm walking down the stairs something starts sliding down my leg and at the same time Myself and my husband scream because he's clocked that the nappy's empty and I've clocked that the smell's coming from me. Blue lick back to hospital, blah, blah, blah. Like within the hour, they had me back in surgery. They were like, you're slipping into septic shock. The wound is terribly infected and it's led to like your internal organs being... By that time... I remember I was eating toast because I was hungry and like the surgeons come charging in. They're like, we've got to get you to surgery now. Who gave you food? I said, listen, let me eat my food. I said, listen, let me, because I've been telling you lot what was going on and me eating this toast and getting to surgery ain't going to make a difference. If I die, I'm going out with a full stomach. Like I was so vexed and deluded. I, I was already in another planet. I was like, I'm not going down there hungry. Like you guys have already got me to this point. Let, oh my gosh. And just the, the fury. And so I'm really calm. And I remember them putting me under and me just being like, rah, this could be it. But not really feeling sad or scared because my dad had died years ago so in there was a part of me that was like daddy i'm coming listen but of course there was a part of me that's like i've got a three-day-old newborn mm. at home but it's not in my hands anymore come out it, I, I spent five weeks in total in hospital and going back to a newborn after five weeks is something i cannot ex because she's built bonds with everyone else she's literally just screaming at me like who are you like mm. and it was just it was such a deep humanizing experience it was very like i remember them bringing in like five um trainee doctors i had all these drains i had like six drains coming out of me to take my drains out one day and no one asked if i wanted those doctors to be present mm. and the lead doctor just like throws my sheet back and just starts like telling them what they need to be doing and she was nigerian she was west african and i started crying and she was like oh stop you've got to like you've got to be stronger than this. And I was just like, yeah. I, till this day, I'm still like, it's a difficult thing to say, but there are a generation of black women also not doing that situation any favors because they are upholding the fallacy of the strong black woman. And I understand why they had to do it back then, but it is not helpful to young black women going into birthing situations right now for the woman that has the same skin as you to be telling you to buck up your ideas in front of white people. At that point, you need softness, you need mothering. So this isn't just a, a, a white doctor problem. This is an institutional health 
issue that even spreads to the US because the date is the same for African-American women. Have you, since you started having the conversation, I mean, surely the, the burden must be then when, when pre people bring their stories to you. Has it helped in any way sh sort of sharing your experience, I suppose, in a way that you couldn't before because, you know, they told you to stay off mum's net and... Mm. and now, do you speak to other mothers who've had the, the, the Women same Women send me all the time pictures of them going to their maternity meetings with I'm not your baby mother in their hand yeah. with, like, post-it notes. Yeah. Like, you're not going to kill me. <laughs> I, I know how you're going to treat me. Look, chapter five, line yeah. three. Yeah. It's all... Like, they are... And to have been able to be a vessel to create a book that people are now using as, like, some health Bible yeah. and a way to champion themselves... It's beyond any dream any writer could have for themselves. I remember my son got terribly ill last year with chicken pox. It turned into like a flesh-eating bacterial infection. It was the worst time of my life. And I remember going in there and I thought, oh, these people are being really nice. And then the head of the kids' department came down and she was like, listen, I've read your book. And <laughs> she was like, I don't want no problems. <laughs> she was like... We're going to save your son, don't you? <laughs> and whilst that's amazing to have that privilege, that should be the care yeah. for every single woman. It shouldn't yeah. be that because you know me or you think I have some kind of public clout that mm. you're like, I'm going to do my... Come on. Yeah. That should be the care you're giving to every single person that walks into a hospital. Yeah. should be the default, of course. Literally. But unfortunately for black women, it's not. Mm. And of course, if that's... It, that data for black women then leads on to black babies. Because it even says right. in I'm Not Your Baby Mother, I think black babies have a 121% increased risk of dying in their first month. Wow. So this is not just black women, this is their babies. Mm. Yeah. And even that doesn't get discussed as much as it should. Because it, there is always a way to hide things or, make, or, or to make that new mother feel like it's their fault. Mm. And you're saying before, you know, like, obviously you've got individual midwives and individual doctors. You, you ha there has to be space to have to talk about this systemic problem without yeah. blaming individuals necessarily. Yeah. Um, and that's a, it's, a, it's such an annoying derailing of the conversation to, for individuals to make it personal when mm -hmm. the data... And you shouldn't, they shouldn't have needed the data because you've got your experiences exactly. and that should have been listened to. But you are doing something very phenomenal Thank in you. that space and I hope you're really proud of it. I am. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I thought we were going to do a clap. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Um, you don't clap on podcasting, never mind. Sorry. Can you tell this is our first live show? <laughs> Awkward. Um, so, well, speaking of, of race-related issues, you have recently uploaded a post. You first talked about it on stories, and then you uploaded a post that answered a question from one of your followers who um, asked why you were no longer talking about race-related issues. And I really loved your answer because it was so honest and transparent. Are you able to explain that to us? Yeah, I get a lot of questions. That's like, oh, are you not speaking about race anymore? And I'm like, darling, I wake up every day looking like this, you know, like, this is a conversation I'm having with myself brushing my teeth like it's not because I'm not standing on this this social platform every day chanting down Babylon that this is not an informed discussion in my head top like I'm thinking about this every day but then I also had to clock again and I, I'm probably going to be the most honest person there was such a driving engagement in the George Floyd time and just after that if you spoke about race that became an addiction oh that post didn't do so well okay tomorrow I'll go back to talking about race 
because that's what people clearly want me to talk about because that's when the most comments come and that's when the engagement's high. And I just found that I was stuck on this wheel and I wasn't liking it. And I also knew that I was lying to myself. I didn't necessarily want to have this conversation every day because as a black girl growing up in Brixton, I didn't know I was different until a white man told me so. I was surrounded by people that looked like, this is still a very new experience for me, you know? So to have to recognize that I was perhaps clickbaiting myself big game changer I was like I'm only going to speak about that when I really want to and of course an, a new audience flooded my space and many black creator spaces around George Floyd and what they are now understanding is they only flooded that space to be educated now what has happened is someone explained it to me it's called the pet to threat theory uh, privileged white women necessarily came to that space and were like, poor you, black girl, having such a hard time. I want to support you. Like, how can we change this? Fast forward a year, that black girl's wearing a cute Balenciaga coat. That pet is now a threat. How dare she enjoy her life? Right. How dare she be enjoying fashion and having such yeah. a good time? I can't yeah. possibly support a black woman perhaps having a better time at life than me because that's not yeah. what school taught me. School taught me on this pyramid, I'm on top, she's below, yeah. but I'm no longer looking down. Yeah. I feel like I'm looking up. This is a problem. And when that shift came on social, it was very much like, you think you're too nice, you're getting too big. For Baby, I was always this nice. I already told yeah. you I was just waiting for the account to catch up. Like, this was always <laughs> going to happen. And me engaging in fashion this way or having fun is not, let's not delude ourselves. That doesn't erase the judgment put upon me just because of the color of my skin. Mm. In some aspects, it makes me have to go harder in those spaces because that judgment's there. But it did mean that there was just this awkward little period where people who had come for one thing and were getting another thing, they had to get off the bus. Yeah. Mm. And that's no bother to me, darling. We can't all go on this journey together. But if you're not gonna start to see black creators as wholesome and with many different faces, Right. then we're going to have a problem. Yeah. If you're solely supporting black creators in their times of trouble, in their blues and not in their rhythm, mm. that's not going to work. Mm. Because what you're expecting us to do then still is perform for you. Mm. To tap yeah. dance, to educate. We like to dress up. We like to have fun. And I think me being honest about that hopefully will give other black creators the room to be like, I don't have to do trauma porn every day. No, mm. I don't no. have to bring um, troubles and worries to a timeline every day. You should support me in my joy. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I've never heard of that, the pet to threat yeah. theory, but that's mm. spot on, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I guess as well, it must be frustrating getting questions like that from your fo followers or from other people saying like, why aren't you talking about stuff like that anymore? Because I guess what it boils down to is, why should you? Yeah. You don't have to, why should you? At all. The... This is and you know, it, that then what, then all these other world, things in the world happen and then people are like, you were so vocal around Black Lives Matter. Why are you not reporting on this war? I'm not employed by CNN. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> When did I become BBC's report? Like, yeah. Hold on a second. And also, of course I'm going to be vocal around Black Lives Matter. Yeah. It actually affects me. It's not necessarily something I need to learn about. It's a lived experience. Mm. But then came this expectation for any black creator who was vocal to now have to report on every single issue in the world. And if you weren't doing it, you were judged for it. So I was like, guess what? We're not going to speak about anything anymore. 
And a great friend, an ex-friend, her mum once told me, silence can never be misquoted. And it's, it's a picture I've got in my office. Whenever I'm in a bind or I just want to run my mouth, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> All they can say is that Candice didn't respond. Yeah. And as a dark-skinned black woman, that's the trophy that's going to get you to the finish line. Right. Shutting your mouth. Because the reality is, I don't have the privilege of even, say, a lighter-skinned black woman who could perhaps clap back mm. or could say, I don't like that. You know, these things, again, there's this hierarchy. I have learned that silence is going to get me what I want. Right. Because the minute I speak, it's aggressive. She's being problematic. She's look I could just say my toes hurting, you know, and then it will yeah. it will it will just be sold as some next story. Candice is so ungrateful to her feet. She hates her feet so much. <laughs> I'm like, no, my toes my toes hurting, guys. And so that quote has been very helpful to me building this career. Because in times of trouble, it's just like, this is an inside conversation. This is for family and friends. You have your trusted people to take this conversation to. Black creators of all shades do not have the privilege of having every conversation publicly because there is no forgiveness. Mm. There is no uncancelling the cancel yeah. for black mm. creators. We don't get a second chance. Mm. So we have to modify ourselves. Yeah. But it's also the, like my favourite thing about following your account is that it is unapologetic joy. Yeah. And it's so, um, it's so nice to see, you know, how you've unpoliticised, or not unpoliticised, but it's like you shouldn't have to be politicised in order to have, you know, you can have a conversation, but you can also be into fashion. You can have yeah. so many str like strings to your bow. Exactly. And it's, it's so nice, I suppose, to see you... <coughs> just resolutely not being in the box that people are it's so adamant that people go in are put in like yeah. creators are put in you know yeah i just yeah it's sad when it's sad when that happens or when especially on american tiktok and i hate the way they say it no offense because we say niche and they say niche <laughs> you you got a niche down you gotta find your niche I'm like, no one's a niche or a niche, you know? Yeah. Like, we all have different things and we all like different things. And why is one human forced to just be that one thing? Yeah. Time changes. I don't necessarily... No one would say Candice Brathwaite and say mummy blogging today. That, that ship has sailed. I still have children, but that's not the primary content that I give people to consume. Mm. And I think people, as long as you're not harming anyone and you're not like... Um, defacing anyone or being disrespectful we should allow our creators to grow because mm. that's true support you shouldn't just yeah. support when it suits you yeah. allow your creators to show different sides of themselves but I also I, I like that just in the context of Instagram in general because we say all the time do better learn and then when people do start doing things differently to how they've done them, people are like, well, I don't like it anymore. And yeah. it's like, but what were you asking for? Yeah, we and hate change. Is, we hate change. And yeah. it's like, this is crazy because we are all trying really to learn and, and, and to educate each other and ourselves and all of this. But there doesn't actually seem to be a lot of space for the progression then, which is very weird. I, I think uh, people need to understand or the creator needs to understand that if you are going to live an authentic life, get used to not having the biggest platform in the world. Mm. Those with the biggest platform are always going to bend to the calls of other people mm. and that's how that platform grows you have to have a vision of what suits you and I am very happy with my community I'm like because it's to the point like if someone like leaves a hate comment now I just pin it 
because I know my people are going to deal with I'm like, I don't have the time today. Let me just push that to the top. Yeah. So, Throw you to the wolves. That, to have that kind of community, I'd take that over having 10 million who don't really know me, don't really care for me, don't want to support or defend me. Yeah. You want to build a community that, again, when I'm having to do silence can't be misquoted, mm. people are going to defend me. Mm. I think that's when you know you've got a really solid community, but... The times are slightly changing, but I think we just need to get over this numbers game of social. It's mm. like, yeah. it's very boring and it's not working. Even brands and businesses now are like, we're not giving someone with 5 million followers our money. Mm. Who are you talking to? Who are you selling to? The micro-influencer is in. And that's why I tell anyone, I get so many questions like, I'm so scared to start vlogging. or I'm like, do your thing. I leave my kids at the dinner table every night to go and watch someone unbox Nespresso capsules. <laughs> I'm like, enjoy your dinner. <laughs> I've got a date with Anne-Marie. She's just got some new coffee capsules in. I'm off. And it's like... <laughs> There's an audience for everything. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. don't get so caught up in your head or see people with these millions of followers and think that that's the be all and end all. Mm. There's such a beauty to creating content and you will learn as much as the people who end up following you in the end. Yeah. yeah. So can we finish this by asking what's next for you and your platform? What would you, <sighs> what's the dream? The dream is um, to be like the next Shonda Rhimes. I would like to get to a point where I don't necessarily have to be the face of something to keep my household afloat. That's boring. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, my kids are getting older. I don't necessarily like the intrusion. Being able to be paid to create stories is the, the avenue I'm heading down. I'm starting to write for TV now, which is very different to writing books. But I'm thinking that's going to be the vibe. We've got the YA novel coming out in August. Um, so that's book number three. And I've already signed a contract wow. for book four. So, oh my so you're gosh. Busy. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be busy. You Basically. are busy. <laughs> um, I, I want to know. I can't believe we're ending on this note, but um, just pass the question. Do I need a Peloton? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and send this clip to them. Run me my check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the best. Send, um, send me an affiliate link. You, I have a confession. Go on. I bought a Peloton did yesterday. You? I did, yeah. <laughs> I, I knew we were going to talk about it, and I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now, so I've got it's it. so good. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Do you have friends on Peloton? Like, no, I don't follow oh. no one, and I don't let no one follow me, <laughs> because then it becomes a competition. Yeah. And I just, I turn yeah. off all the leaderboards. I'm not yeah. interested. If I need to get off and take a break, I'm going to take a break. Like, yeah. I don't want to yeah. feel like, like yeah. I'm never going to be that kind of gym person, mm. but it's fun if you're not in competition, so no. Okay. Your username private. Okay. Yeah. So solid advice. Yeah. Thank you yeah. Much. Okay. We're gonna have you one by the end of March. I'm uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. No, this has been you. absolutely brilliant and just yeah, really fantastic. And thank you so much to everyone thank for coming thank out you. for being here. So I've literally just had this. Is Ooh, it just me? Love While it. we've been recording, I just checked my DMs. And it's from somebody, and it's, I know we talk a lot about marriage but, and weddings and stuff and the feminists in us when it comes to marriage, but I still think <laughs> it's relevant, so here we go. So this uh, girl says, hi. I'm not even going to read the praise out. <laughs> um, I love the book I thought. Um, but she said, you know, because in the first couple of episodes, she basically, she's sending this message because we've talked about weddings and, and the pressure and whatever before. 
So she said, I love my partner so much and I can't wait to marry him and the day will be incredible, but we've both gained weight over the last eight years together and all of the focus seems to be on me losing the weight uh, for the big day and no one's even mentioning it to him and it's infuriating. My inner feminist is boycotting all of these shitty comments about weight and wanting to love myself as I am and not focus on it and just enjoy the day, but I'm finding it so hard not to have it in the back of my mind when all eyes are on me and I'll be self-conscious. I'd love to hear about it because I just don't think it's spoken about in this context because you're meant to be all excited for the big day and I'm shitting it and what you know what can we talk about it and you know what I was actually thinking when when she's saying you know I'm meant to be so excited for it it's like that's me before every single holiday or it used to be and you know you're so excited and you're like I'm going away I'm going on holiday and then you just you can't actually look forward to it because you're just like so consumed with self-consciousness yeah um I have so much to say on this I feel yeah. like this is a whole podcast episode by itself yeah well we can do but a whole po- I'd love to do a whole podcast episode about this we should yeah 100% because this is I mean it's it's so skewed like overwhelmingly skewed towards women that, like looking your best on your big day yeah and I wrote an article about it and I, I did a, a Google search on like bride weight loss and there was something like, I can't remember, but it was literally like mi- billions of results and there's yeah. hardly anything for groom weight no, loss. No, literally. Like people keep talking to me about my wedge shred. Like, am I on the wedge shred? And it's honestly, it's so funny because it's so much like about my dress and my body and my this and my this. And I'm like, what's Alex wearing? Who knows? What size? Who cares? Like, no one gives a fuck. And it's all back rooted to this fucking bullshit thing of we're being given away with a prize. We've been swapped for three suckling pigs and an acre of land by a local farmer. And our father's going to wheel us down the aisle as a nice gift in exchange for all of their generosity. And aren't we lucky? And aren't we lucky? Yeah, exactly. And just be lucky. And, and thin like obedient yeah, women we're white we're virgins <laughs> yeah. yeah oh god it drives me nuts it drives me nuts and there's so much there's an actual wealth of shit out there for like brides there's even like how to dehydrate yourself for your big day so that you look thinner in photos honestly it's insane it's absolutely insane bullshit um, and I hate it but then I feel like think of this as like your act of rebellion it shouldn't yeah. be an act of rebellion but not it, that's actually such a good point and you know my mum said something to me when I was trying on my wedding dresses the one I tried on that I loved the most and it was like the most beautiful thing in the whole wide world and I genuinely everybody cried like it was so stunning I was like wow I love this so much and then I and then that was like this is my dress this is my dress but then you know because I was in the shop I carried on trying other dresses and I, the next one I put on my mum was like it changed everything she was like you breathed out you went and sat down and I yeah. went and I and I did I went and sat down and I watched my girls like my, my bridesmaids try on their dresses and I laughed and my mum was like that's your dress because I just was like Ha. Like I just I breathed and like I would I wouldn't have done it in the first dress because you could see like where my tummy was and I was like and I was aware of it even as I was doing it and I was like you know like breathing in and whatever and it's so yeah. true like you have to be comfortable and yeah I don't know it's it, it is fucking bullshit though that yeah you have flat, to be comfortable like, find a dress that suits you think of it as your act of rebellion as you putting you know as, as your middle finger up to and these stupid standards yeah and anybody that looks at you and thinks anything about your body or your size on your fucking wedding day can suck a dick because like who the fuck are they who are they right. this is your wedding day marrying the love of your life and you're gonna walk down that fucking aisle with your beautiful body and your beautiful dress and you're gonna have the best day ever right. and if anybody wants to sit and judge you like are they okay right are they okay and, no. and i think what's important as well to get is to get to like the source of like 
the desire to lose weight. Like if you're if if you've got your wedding coming up and you feel like you have to lose weight, like get to the get to the root of your desire for it. Like think about it. Like why? Why do you want to lose weight? Do you think it's going to make a difference to your wedding day? Probably not. Like your wedding day is in, insane. You're surrounded by literally everyone you know and that means something to you and it's so full of joy and excitement and nervousness as well, but how you look, you know, what what size your body is is so irrelevant to to all of it. Yeah, you're not going to gonna dance it. better. You're not going to love harder. Your no. vows aren't going to be more impressive. I didn't like, lose any weight for my wedding, and I look back now, and and there is no part of me that's like I would have had a better time if I'd have lost weight, or I would have liked the pictures more if I'd lost weight. No, I love them. Like it, it captures the day, and that's all that matters. I also just can't be fucked. Like my wedding's coming up, and I'm just like I can't be. No, and, and I people just, like what. You know, because everyone's there and everyone's going to see you. Everyone doesn't care. No. They don't care. Yeah. And like, they might look at you and go, God, don't you look gorgeous? Great, that's it. Yeah. Are they ever going to think about you again, how you looked no. on your wedding day? No. And if they do, there's something wrong with them. Exactly. Like, those that matter don't mind and those that mind don't matter. Exactly. Like, genuinely, I think anybody who can look at a wedding, I, I think anybody that says something negative about we- a wedding is a properly miserable bastard. Yeah. Because weddings are objectively the best fucking days for all involved. And I've yeah. never looked at a bride and thought anything other than oh yes because you know you know that 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 woman has put on a dress she fucking loves and she's bought it with the support and the love of her friends and her family and how special is that and that's all I think when I look at a dress I'm like that is you that encapsulates all that you want and that's perfect and even if she doesn't love it like it's not about what she's wearing is it like it's not about how she looks and I'm like I just, I, it sounds so cringe, but I think it's true. Like you genuinely see their happiness and their excitement and their nervousness. It's like, it's so special to see yeah. that in their face and it's yeah. exciting. And I just think it's just a load of rubbish that clouds, it like dampens weddings for so many people because they end up starving themselves beforehand. And I think, I think like what is really important to ask is like, do you feel healthy? And this is like a bit of a weird one because you're like, what do you mean? Do I feel healthy? It's like, well, before my wedding, I felt healthy as in that I was eating well. I was, you know, I was never restricting myself. I felt like nourished. And for me, restricting or dieting would have made me unhealthy. And I would rather be healthy and happy on my wedding day than undernourished yeah just so I can look a certain way which is arbitrary anyway yeah love that love that you know what I'm much more concerned about walking down the aisle I'm convinced I'm gonna stack it yeah you won't I might because I came downstairs right and I was absolutely we were on the edge of our seat I bet you I got stuck didn't I (laughs) I got stuck my veil got stuck and no one came to help me (laughs) I had seven eight bridesmaids no one came to help me you won't you'll be fine you'll be fine and because but you know what if I do I'll be so on brand that's what I'll keep saying it's like wouldn't have it any other way that's the thing as well I was so worried about it beforehand then I was like what's the worst that can happen I fall break an arm to be fair if I fell down the stairs I could have actually really hurt myself but (laughs) Taking out all your bridesmaids on the way down. Everyone out. And the the guy who, I don't know what he's called, the guy who does the ceremony. That'll be me soon. Yeah, yeah. Standing at the bottom, right in harm's way. Um, So, yeah, if you fall, you fall. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, fuck it. Have fun. We'll all laugh. We'll pick you back up. Yeah. And it'll be great. It'll be a hoot. Just make sure someone's filming it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, we should actually talk about this in a podcast episode. I'd I would love to. I'd because love and I do to. get a lot of messages about this as well, just because the pressure is intense. Let's do it ahead of my wedding. Let's have a wedding Let's do special. It. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. We're, we'll we're do putting it. that out into the ether now. Hold us accountable. Perfect. Okay. Okay. 
so I, I hate that our podcast always descends into toilet humor, but here we are. <laughs> Hi, girls. I will, of course, start off by saying I am loving the podcast. Um, <laughs> I've been meaning to message you since the Is It Just Me, where a girl mentioned loving the smell of her own farts. Oh, it God. made me realize that not only do I love my own, but I have also grown... No to no. love my dogs no. so much so that sometimes I actively seek them out to sniff them discuss what do you mean <laughs> seek them out in my head she's like pumping it like a billow thing for a chimney <laughs> like giving Come like giving on, the tu- yeah the little tummy like little massage feeding it raw beans yeah <laughs> oh my god you're an animal you know what no. I've got my um I've got my best friend's dog staying at the moment this week. So yeah. Bua is, I mean, she's a real lady, you know, and sometimes we call it death bomb, like when she eats something really <laughs> bad and, and they are, honestly, how can something sweet make something so bad? Um, but they're rare, it's sporadic and, and it's almost funny because it's like, you know, keeps us on our toes. But this guy, Kiko, my best friend's dog, like, I, I, he's so bad. Is and I think it? he's really big. He farts so much. And I think I could have sat in that room for the next 400 years and never learned to like that smell. So I don't understand this. That, it, I don't like it. Her poo, picking up her poo, like, it still makes me gag. Huh. This morning, like, I, 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 I was feeling slightly uneasy in my stomach. And I was like, I'm going to puke. I'm, I'm going to puke in the park. I'm like holding back the gag. It's disgusting. I don't like anyone's I wonder anyone's if anyone's parts. ever done that. Gone to pick up and poo oh, and just vomited. so gross. And I love this little thing so much, but I will never love dealing oh, with I her Oh, I don't mind Boo's poos. Like, oh, I think I they're, they're like a little more teasers. They're absolutely fine. Ooh. I actually actively look forward to them on cold days because I'm like, oh, that'll warm Warm your hands up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but have you ever smeared it on yourself by accident? Because I have like five times. Why? No. I don't know. I think it's when I go to double pick no so you know when you put the bag on your hand and you pick up once and then you realize that you've left a bit so you go back in to pick up yeah. something about the double dip yeah shouldn't say dip no. double dip means that then it gets on the outside of the bag and then ends up on my hands no, and i think that's just that, that's human error because, because that's I'm never happened to stuck me stuck in the park and i'm holding my hand out because i can't yeah, bear it being anywhere near me and i've yeah. got shit in my hands yeah so. no Okay, well, I don't understand how I don't understand either of you. Okay, well, is it just me? Does uh, anyone else get dog shit on their hands? Yeah, I can understand like once, like oh, I, but like five times. Okay, three. Maybe Haven't had it that long? Maybe three. Hmm. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Something, something's wrong. I need to watch this. I need to watch this process because I'm not sure you're doing it right. Okay, I have one serious. Is it just me that we okay. weren't actually sent in, but I got it on okay. my Instagram, and I just feel like you're so good oh, at talking about this sort of thing, and you'll oh, do it no. better than I did. No, somebody just basically sent in a thing. I, I asked for people to send in their toxic traits on my Instagram and I kind of was expecting people to be quite gassed like one girl sent one in being like I always say yes when people on Instagram ask if they should cut their hair short I was like (laughs) I love that one fucking lol you Um, bitch yeah I was like oh my god it's you like you're the reason anyway um, so I was expecting this to be like that but I actually got a lot of like really serious ones which was great I love to see people being so self aware and I realised how much the patriarchy has basically fucked us all and made us all bit toxic but it's great that we're recognising that anyway one of the entries I just thought you would be able to unpick better than I could was uh, an entry from a girl who basically said um, my toxic trait is that I instinctively feel happy when I see that somebody else has gained weight like another woman has gained weight and I shared my thoughts on that but I thought this is something that you're really good at talking about so it's not just this girl right who feels like that but it would be really cool to hear like from yeah. From my expert, what's it called? <laughs> my, oh my expert God. from experience, uh, experience. Alex Light, oh God, um, on um, this. 
Yes, this is a really interesting one because this is common for a great deal of people. And it's really problematic because we are placing or you know we, we see someone who's put on weight and that makes us feel happy and it, it, it buoys us because we feel like it makes it so, so basically it makes us feel less alone right we all have this like astounding pressure to be thin and seeing someone put on weight and be bigger makes us feel less alone and makes us feel less pressure but the problem with so I, I totally understand that and I understand why people have um, you know, they, they take comfort in people who look like them. Mm. However, the problem with this is that you are always basing your your value, your self-esteem, your worth, your contentment with yourself in someone else. Mm. And that's fluid. That comes and goes because just as that person put on weight, that person can lose weight. And what happens then? Your sense of self is destabilized because mm. suddenly well what's going to happen you're going to feel bad the inverse is going to happen if if they if they lose weight or even if somebody else loses weight you know or you if can, someone else you can flip and flop and whatever and put it on somebody else yeah and i think this is like this is true of comparison across the board not just with bodies it's like comparing yourself like people say it's good to compare yourselves up and i'm not convinced about that because i think when you do that whenever whenever you make a comparison whether it's an upwards comparison or a downwards comparison you're always placing your power in an external source and you can't control that external source the only thing you can control is yourself and so the only place that the power you know your your value your worth and your self-esteem can come from is internal and it's within you and that's why I think it's important to unpick why you feel better when someone else has put on weight and I think fundamentally like the thing that I said on Instagram about it was the reason that you feel good when somebody else loses weight is like Alex said like we have been taught, we have been conditioned to compare ourselves, right? Like for as long as we've existed, you read those magazines, Heat, uh, you know, Closer, all that shit. That was like best and worst beach bodies. Inst- every time you looked at one woman, you compare- they were compared to another woman. A fat woman was compared to a thin woman. Like it was constant. There was always a put, even, even look at Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle. They are put against each other. The women are always pit against each other. So we instinctively do that and we feel like, Maybe it's a bit of nature because, you know, we have to compete for a mate. But really, it's a lot of patriarchal conditioning that we have to... The the, the thing that makes us the best for a mate is to be the thinnest and the prettiest. When actually, historically, the thing that makes us best for the mate is good childbearing hips. But we'll get into that another day. (laughs) But, you know, so we think we have to be the most beautiful, which is synonymous with thinness, right? So we think we have to be the thinnest. And when somebody else gains weight, we think, fuck, yeah, they're out of the race. Like, yeah, I'm ahead of them now just because of this one thing, which is ridiculous. So unpicking that as well is just it's cri- sure. like it's so important that's yeah. my favorite thing to do now with all the all my basically toxic shit is just push but i'm like why yeah. but why but why and you just work all your whys back until yeah. you've got to an answer that was nothing to do with you or her or her body or your body right. but actually to do with some fella wanting to make a fuckload of money from selling magazines yeah. weight loss products bikinis and insecurity. That's so true because once you actually get down to the why, the very first why, it's like it actually has no meaning, no value. No. no. And what you're saying, like, nurture and nature as well. Like, yes, we are like humans are hardwired for comparison. We have that in us, but it's all compounded. And and 
it, it it starts from the very beginning like our weights as little babies are measured against the weights of others we're put into percentiles oh my God, yeah. and then from then onwards you know our grades are, me- are measured against other people's our sports our sporting yeah. you know our, our athletic prowess is measured against other people's and we are always on we, we are always being forced into comparison so that's the final thing I think we should say is that you shouldn't feel shame around it no don't judge yourself for it no just it's look normal. at it and reflect on it with compassion not judgment stunning great there we go smashed it what an episode Woo! <laughs> and we hardly talked about shit at all <laughs> i know um you you're welcome shit for a bit yeah we did didn't we okay oh we did we i got did. shit on my hands <laughs> you fuck yeah. next episode no shit <laughs> uh, we'll see um anyway guys thank you so much for listening um yeah, yeah, thank you. That's it. That's it. And thanks again to George Asda for sponsoring us yeah. and making this interview happen because we fucking loved it. Uh huh. And we've got yeah more of this next week as well because yeah. we've got an episode with Bryony Gordon, which I am so fucking excited about. She's excellent. Um, but for now, have a lovely week. We love you. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.